and I'll get an email probably about 8.30 in the morning. Hey, where's your above the char? Lauren's asking. He's always <laughs> using Lauren as a cover, but it's really him. It's not. It's, it's Lauren. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> This is episode 269 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And welcome to September. It's Bourbon Heritage Month. Before we start the podcast, here's your weekly bourbon news update. Barrelcraft Spirits has announced that it will expand its distribution into Australia, the company's first direct export outside of the U.S. Australians will initially have access to the following Barrelcraft Spirits releases. Barrel Bourbon Batches 13, 20, 23, and 24, Barrel Craft Spirits Rum, Rye Batch 03, Dovetail American Whiskey, and The Infinite Barrel Project. Bourbon and Banter is kicking off its annual 30 Days of Bourbon celebration to coincide with Bourbon Heritage Month. In partnership with lots of distilleries and ecosystem partners that include giveaways for those that want to take the challenge. Visit 30daysofbourbon.com to download a customizable tracking calendar and get entered. Moving on to bourbon release news, Bardstown Bourbon Company has announced the release of a new collaboration with Copper and Kings. It's a nine-year-old Tennessee bourbon finished for 18 months in Distillier Orange Curacao barrels, bottled at 100 proof and will be part of the distillery's collaborative series. It's their sixth collaboration with Copper and Kings and will retail for $125. And this September coming soon, Three Chord Bourbon will release its latest offering, a 15-year-old barrel-proof Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey that they're calling Whiskey Drummer. Two small batches of 10 barrels each will be released across 15 states, with a total production of less than 2,500 bottles and an SRP of $190. Now for today's podcast, it's the 48th edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable, and we talk 80s movies. Yeah, it may have gone a bit overboard and longer than anticipated, but in my opinion, it may have been the glory years of iconic movies. But then we also dive into Blanton Straight from the Barrel and going into release season. Will the shift of having online releases be the new way forward? We'll wait and find out. If you want to get notified about when Bourbon Pursuit is doing a live barrel pick or anything else, make sure you follow us on YouTube. With that, enjoy today's episode, and here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. It's Bourbon Heritage Month. Everybody go to your store and pull out your wallets and drop that cash on the counter because we got to celebrate. It's another great year for us to reflect on what bourbon is and what it means to our country. You see, it wasn't too long ago that bourbon was left for dead. We're talking the 1980s. People weren't drinking it. They were drinking things like Kahlua and vodka over bourbon. It was not preferred whatsoever outside of the state of Kentucky. The 1990s, bourbon sees a little bit of a bump, and people are really excited about it. Japan, they're buying a lot of it there in Japan in the 1990s. And then the internet comes about, and every household gets a gets a little thing where they can plug into their computer and plug it into that old phone jack on their wall. And like Blake's internet, it would dial and you go. And somebody somewhere out there created special chat forums for the bourbon community. Long before Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all these other social media tools to include MySpace, people were on AOL chat rooms talking about bourbon. 
Bourbon, one of the most social influencers of all time. And this is its month. And yeah, it's a tough month going into a really crappy year. 2020 has not been too kind to all of us. But I think that we can all grab a bottle of bourbon. Whatever whatever one that you want to grab is fine. Pour yourselves two fingers neat or add a nice cube of drop of water, however you take your bourbon. Raise it up in the air and toast this fine spirit because every single bottle that you buy goes to support a business, someone's family. It goes to support a state and, you know, federal and state and county and municipal taxes. So uh, that bottle that you're sipping on, it's more than just something to have a good time with. It's somebody's livelihood. So that's what Bourbon Heritage Month is all about. It's about celebrating those who have brought bourbon to us for so long. So to all the distillers out there and everybody who puts their hands on bourbon and tries to make it better, I salute you, ma'am. I salute you, sir. And I wish you the very best Bourbon Heritage Month. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, I'm celebrating Bourbon Heritage Month by naming the best bourbons of the century so far. You can go check them out on my YouTube channel, number 30 with Smooth Ambler. Until next week, cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order.
Welcome back, everybody. This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon, and this is the 40, are we on 48? 48? 48. Gosh, 48th edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. It's the podcast where we bring in the the most handsomest dudes in bourbon to go and talk about just random stuff. And I think that's what the top of the show is going to be about today. And somebody asked, where is the people's champ? Where is Ryan tonight? Well, if you would have tuned in uh, last week to our Balcones live tasting, uh, right before we went live, he had actually spilled some bourbon on his keyboard, which is uh, on his Mac Air or MacBook Air. And uh, fast forward like 15 minutes, you could just see like, it, it just went all downhill. I mean, the it just started short circuiting, and he just didn't have a chance. And so he was on his phone, and then so needless to say, he doesn't actually have a computer to be able to join us tonight. So therefore, Ryan is MIA. But we've got Fred here tonight. So two of the three trio. So how you doing, Fred? Good, brother. How are you, man? Doing all right. And we've got our usual cast and crew here. And, and not to make this, uh, I feel like we've got a lot of good topics uh, for here tonight. But I've got such a fun kind of like intro and sort of icebreaker tonight. I'm going to go ahead and introduce everybody and then I'm going to give you kind of what it's going to be. So we kind of played around with this a little bit in Discord inside uh, a little bit earlier. And so my idea was, well, A, let's see how bad people's tastes are in movies. And then what do they think is the best of the 80s films when I give you like a versus? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with you, Nick. So everybody knows Nick, Nick from Breaking Bourbon. They've got what are the yeah. best websites out there for tracking new releases, uh, weekly weekly emails, Patreon community? They got all kinds of good things going on there. So I'm going to start off with you, Nick. So you got to choose one movie and why. Caddyshack versus Ghostbusters. I got to go Ghostbusters, man. Um, probably, probably neither of those two on my top list of 80s movies, but uh, just Ghostbusters, just fun. I like the fun element to it. I like the old one, you know, so Ghostbusters all day long. Yeah, it's both are classic. I'm going to say I'm a Caddyshack fan. Anybody else in Team Caddyshack over here? I yeah, got more I into Caddyshack in college. One, one of those I couldn't see in, in the 80s when it uh, was released, but it became a favorite. Listen, Ghostbusters, it like we were all in the all of us have a have had a moment in our life where we thought to ourselves, we need the Ghostbusters. I never in the world thought to myself that I need a guy, you know, to come and clean the greens and and fix up a golf course and, and you know, stop a, um, a rodent. But listen, Ghostbusters is a classic that that, uh, you know, Caddyshack is nice. But who are you going to call? I know it's it got the good tags all day, yeah. <laughs> and you know Brian Hara from Sipping Corn. He's he's written a book. He's the law man on bourbon. And so Brian, yours is the Breakfast Club versus Footloose. Uh, I've got to go Footloose on that um, Breakfast Club. They had us. They, they ruined it by um, having us watch it in a religion class. I went to a Catholic <laughs> high school, and they got way too deep on the characters and it just way, way too deep on it. So I've got to go, I've got to go with the, uh, with footloose and, and I'm no dancer by any stretch, but man, I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, I I'm in team footloose over there too. Blake, are you breakfast club? 
Hold on, I don't even get new movies. I get the leftover movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'll, okay, we'll get you new ones. Okay, Everybody knows Blake. On. Blake. Oh, it's Blake from Bourboner Seal Box. He sells. He slangs whiskey. He talks whiskey all the time. All right, so I'm gonna give you this. These are two fun ones. So, Fast Times at Ridgemont High or The Goonies. Oh, I mean, so I've probably seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High on TNT like halfway through, so I, I feel bad for <laughs> saying that. But Goonies is just a classic. I mean, we actually let our kids watch that this summer. It's like a movie at the pool thing, and The Goonies was on. And forgot, like, probably not age-appropriate for a seven-year-old and uh, ha- had to pull them back a little bit. But, no, I got to go with The Goonies. That's That's just a classic right there. I agree. I agree. All right, Fred, you want one? Well, I want to chime in. I mean, Breakfast Club, I mean, that set the tone going into the 90s. I mean, I feel like the Breakfast Club was basically the origins of grunge. You know, you, you had Judd <laughs> Nelson there. And, and who didn't have a crush on Molly Ringwald for like the next 20 years of their life after that movie? I mean, Breakfast Club was like, I can't believe you all just dismiss it for for. <laughs> a freaking part of we the did. country that you know wouldn't let people dance. <laughs> uh, I know it's tough. That's a tough one. I mean, the Breakfast Club definitely it uh it's it's one of those coming of age tales too. You know, it's it's definitely nothing that they've been able to recreate or have anything like it. So it's yeah. supposed to be tough, Fred. We're supposed to fight. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. It, it's one of those movies that resonates with the time, though, too. I mean, I've looked at some good 80s movies. Some of them don't really resonate. They're maybe still good movies today. But that's one that's like, yes, that is the clothes, the hair, everything. It's the the jeans. Mm-hmm. It's the 80s through and through. And it reminds you and kind of like brings you back to the time when you watch it, which not all these movies necessarily do. Maybe like special effects might be different, something like this. This is just all... Yeah. Reminds you of the era, which is pretty cool. And teenagers haven't changed. And, you know, weekend detention hasn't changed. You know, they might, you know, they may not like, you know, SWAT kids anymore, but. Except you you do Zoom detentions now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to sit on Zoom with your teacher for like an hour. (laughs) I was going to say, is that a real thing? How do they, how do they like uh, discipline kids in school these days? I mean, (laughs) like. Not let them get on Zoom. That seems like a win for the kid. <laughs> it is a tough one. All right, Fred. All I'm right. actually I'm going to give you a very tough one here, Fred. All right, here we go. Scarface versus Batman. Oh, see, I've actually watched Ooh. both of these uh, recently, and you know, I think the '80s Batman series was probably its greatest embarrassment. Um, you know, what? the '80s was not a good time for Batman. It, you know, it's not until we get into the 90s and the 2000s that Batman's like strength comes back from its early days. Um, but Scarface, I mean, especially as a whiskey fan, you know, Al Pacino's shooting up like the, the dirty cop and the guy who tried to get him whacked. And they're both drinking Jack Daniels while they're taking two in the chest. So I love it just for the fact that there's a, a nice whiskey moment as Al Pacino's uh, mowing people down and then he mows them down again. So, oh man, yeah. I'm, see Batman. I mean, that you got Michael Keaton as Batman. You got Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I think that's that's a tough one. Wait, that was the '90s. No, it's no, not. That, that was the '80s. The, the 19, original Batman. They took it downhill. I thought Jack was in the '90s, but oh, I'm gonna do a quick Google. You want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. Batman. 
Uh, Jack. I got a lot of these. You guys want to do a second round? Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, Nick, you're 19, up next. 1989. Mm-hmm. See, nice. my family, we didn't get it until I was on like third release VHS. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's a cusp. So I, on that case, I'd still pick Scarface, but I would, I retract my negativity <laughs> toward the 1980s Batman film. Yeah. Scarface is hard to beat. That's a classic yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so that's why. Times. That's why I put those two next to each other. I was like, "That's a that's a tough one to really choose." Both great. All right, so Nick, you've got something that's. Uh, I guess they're kind of like cult classics. Um, right. So, Weekend at Bernie's versus something that just got a reboot, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ooh, I just say again too, like another two that I just I, I did not ever watch Weekend at Bernie's all the way through, and it's been so long since I've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I almost feel like I need to rewatch that movie. Um, when did that come out? That was probably late '80s, right? Yeah, it must have been like '88, '89. I probably saw that around the time it came out, and I was probably nine or ten at the time. So that's how far back we're going. We're talking like 30 years ago since I've seen that movie. Um, I, I got to go with that only because, you know, it's the only one I've seen all the way through. And honestly, I think if I was to watch that again today, I think I would still appreciate it. Whereas Weekend of Bernie's, I don't I don't know if I get through entirely. Again, it's like it's been so long. I, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Uh, I, I think I'm a Weekend of Bernie's. I'm a big Bernie Lomax fan. So we just, you know, you know just, just you know leans back and does the dance. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> all right brian ready for all yours right. i'm ready all right um how about we do karate kid hmm. versus rocky four the one with ivan drago I, oh. i've got to go with ivan drago that was a badass movie rocky go and going and training in the in the snow and Ooh, you see ivan drago getting shot yeah. up with his with all the steroids i mean it's, it was perfect timing for what the country needed in a movie and it was on, on and after the Thunderlips episode with Mr. T, that was was number three. <laughs> then you come out with the fight against the Russian. Uh, I was all into Rocky in the eighties. Yeah. I'm gonna say right now, Brian, that Kenny is such a Karate Kid fan, and I mean hardcore Karate Kid fan, that he may cut off you uh, your feed for the rest of the <laughs> yeah. well, it may have. But again, he still has that. Uh... These have to be tough ones, so we got to argue about something. <laughs> This is an original versus number four, too. I mean, this isn't like, you know, original versus original. So, right. Over I, I, mean, I fan over Fred, there. Fred right, does know Kenny? me very well. I'm a, I'm a huge Karate Kid fan. I think even people in Discord and our, our Patreon Discord saw that because I was, uh, I love the Cobra Kai series and now they're on Netflix and like the, the new yeah. one's going to come season three soon. So, I'm super, super excited for that. All right, Blake, I'll give you a good one here. Right. National, National Lampoon's Vacation. Mm versus Beetlejuice. Oh, Chevy Chase all day long. I mean, does anybody actually enjoy Beetlejuice? I don't know. <laughs> you didn't like Beetlejuice? You didn't drink Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was terrible. National Lampoon's is <laughs> hilarious compared to Beetlejuice. Great movie. Uh, nobody should watch Beetlejuice. It, <laughs> I feel wow. like I should need, somebody needed wow. to take a hard take on this one. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Beetlejuice came on the chopping block. So... Uh, I mean, what happened to you when that movie Pendleton. was on, Blake? I'm just curious. <laughs> in all honesty, it, you know, I probably watched it when I was like eight or nine, and my parents didn't let me finish it. So I should give Beale just a little bit of credit, but uh, no, I got to still go National Lampoons with that one. 
National Lampoon's is a classic. However, Beetlejuice, the one scene that always, you know, comes to my head is, uh, you know, when the the shrimp cocktail comes out and like grabs everybody in the face and pushes them back or whatever. It gets me every time. All right, Fred, I'll give you one more and then we'll uh, we'll kind of switch uh, switch uh, the whiskey. Of, yeah, yeah, might as well. Yeah. All right, well. Uh, let's do let's do an Eddie Murphy trading places versus coming to America. Oh, coming to America. Well, I love trading places, coming to America. Oh, man, you know, you've got you've got McDonald's. They've got a Big Mac, but the McDowell's. <laughs> they got you know, the Big that, Mick. That's a Big Mick. And, and that's like, you 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 just, that scene and, and the 15 other scenes just kind of like, you know, they're just, you're, you're with your buddies and you're drinking, you know, you're tailgating or whatever. Someone at some point is is citing a movie line from Coming to America. I think of all the shows that we brought up here, Coming to America is probably the lasting, you know, is the most lasting one of all of them because people will watch that forever. And Very horrible movie. Still funny. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I might be in team trading places only because, you know, it's like they, they corner the orange market. I mean, like it's just it's just ridiculous, right? And mortar and all them, they go down. It's it's it's. I think it's it's just funny. It's just. God, all, I mean, so great, great movie. So, but you're talking about like you know, compare. I mean, and that was that it was a great movie. But let's like comparing the the '85 Bears defense with you know the greatest defense of all time, you know, to like you know the uh, the 2008 Super Bowl champion defense, which I don't even remember who won 2008. Maybe the Patriots, probably. But you know, it's just see, the Bears is the Bears were coming to America. It's great greatness. All right. So uh, Alan said no Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It wouldn't be a competition. So we'll just put one to the whole entire group here. Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus Tom Hanks and Big. Ooh. I Ooh. think I'm going underdog with Big. You know, I mean Ferris Bueller is a great movie, but I kind of like Tom Hanks. You know. Depends what you want. You get the giant yeah. piano, you know, you get mm-hmm. the giant piano playing, what, what is it? Not taps. What's the, <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Chopsticks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you've, you've either got the feel good movie or you've got the guy who's truly an ass. Um, I mean, everything he does is an asshole move, but it's a fun movie. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm team Ferris on this one. Say yeah. Ferris like that. It's, it's classic. You can't, you can't go past it. Um, what was his what was his buddy's name? The guy that didn't want to do Cam- anything? Cameron? Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. Cameron. And you're all like, come on, Cameron. Like, lighten up a little bit. A whole entire movie. You know, Until the very uh, end. And then Paris. he wrecks the car. And then you're yeah, just like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, too far. It, it, mm-hmm. that, that, that movie was so, was so great. And everybody wanted to be Ferris, like, coming out of that. And you supported Ferris. And you just kind of like you saw like his sister, like how much she hated him. And then she's like ends up making out with Charlie Sheen, which is like one of the most like ironic moments in cinema in the 1980s. You can right. watch Ferris. All, uh, you can watch that over and over again. Big. I feel Absolutely. like you get your fill, you know, every five, six, seven years you watch it and you kind of like, OK, that I feel good. But. I'm not going to rewatch that for a while. While Ferris, you could watch it a couple times a weekend. I think you'd still be happy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only mo- it's the only moment of joy that Cubs fans had for like, <laughs> a century. 
<laughs> for a long, long time. That's true. Uh, fun. Now, so now we got to pair all these with bourbons, right? So now that that's the, the <laughs> next tab, right? <laughs> Why what not? do you drink with Scarface? I'll let you start, Nick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, tune in for another three weeks. Well, I've got so many of these. We could we could do this for another hour and a half. So, But let's go ahead. We'll start switching some tables over to bourbon. And of course, if you were kind of hiding underneath a rock, uh, you would have seen the announcement last week that was coming from Sazerac about Blanton's. Yes, another Blanton's coming out straight from the barrel. We've all known it, at least in the whiskey world, for a while because... We've either got friends in the Netherlands or going to the Caribbean and we buy bottles and we've had it. And I think for most of us, we look at it as, yeah, this is actually probably the best Blanton's expression, at least for myself, that I have ever uh, liked. And so now they are following the footsteps of their announcements actually have straight from the, or sorry, gold releasing was supposed to be this summer of 2020. I never saw one. I don't know about you all, but now they're looking at Blanton straight from the variable, straight from the barrel to now be available in the fall, uh, coming in at a $150 price point. Um, however, of course, very limited. So one thing I'm going to kind of push to you all is now that they kind of teased us with the gold, did you all see straight from the barrel coming? I mean, I didn't see it coming so quickly. If, uh, you know, we're being honest, why go back to back? What was it like the press releases, maybe Three weeks apart, two weeks apart. Um, oh no, it's got to be. Months, yeah, two, yeah, I think, months, think two, three, two months. Yeah, I mean, listen, I still think you know tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Like everything's just kind of matching together. Like you're good. You're good. Tomorrow's May second. So, but I mean, still in the, <laughs> in the same year. Um, you know, like that seems kind of odd. Like, why not announce them together or? What you know, are you just trying to give a great lead up up until the fall releases? I don't know. It's it, it, it seems odd. Um, the pricing is the pricing, you know, people will go crazy for it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe buy it up overseas while you can, but I'm sure that's still gone. But it just, I don't know, it, it's it's just like one thing after another. We're defending all the new. Buffalo Trace releases, you know, is the Weller single barrel with the pumpkin spice label. And then it's the the Blanton's gold. And um, we get it. Everybody wants your stuff. <laughs> we'll just They'll buy it. You don't even need to release new stuff. I mean, it is good to see that more is coming back to the U.S. And I guess maybe there will be a shot if things slow down a little bit. But um, ultimately, it's, you know, they'll sell even more uh, Wheatley vodka and fireball because you know you have other things to reward people with it's not just pappy or um you know a member of the antique collection it's also blanton's gold or blanton's straight from the barrel so i think that's kind of what drove that you know kind of the allocation wars um but who knows i mean it's more good bourbon what do we have to complain about you know i this came up on a on a recorded podcast not too long ago that we did kenny that i you know i don't think it's released yet you know, so I don't want to give too much into it, but I mean, I think that we, it's easy for us to like, you know, just point fingers and, and yell at Buffalo Trace for, for doing this. And I'm certainly guilty of that. And it's, it, you know, but they got to make business decisions, but I'm starting to look at the rest of the industry with like how they do limited releases. And I'm asking myself, you know, why why doesn't more of the industry that has the has the arsenal like Buffalo Trace does, why doesn't more of the industry do expressions like that? Because 
you know, they, they don't, they do them singular versus like a, like a collection. And when they've done them as collections, they're kind of like, you know, bungled and they don't, they don't really pan out, but Buffalo trace does not necessarily make the best whiskey in, in Kentucky. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people think they do, but they, they own, they own the kind of hype machine and they own like all the marketing because they strategically place out all of these releases. And believe me, it's all by design mm-hmm. and nobody does it better than Buffalo trace. So, mm-hmm. and it, it, I mean, we're professional whiskey people, but take a look at all of those websites that got the Blanton's keyword, uh, like vine pair, uh, they got the Blanton's keyword last week. And you know what? They got 150,000 views off of that. Boom. Click time. Clickbait city. Maybe you got put in Reddit. Maybe you got in a Facebook page. This is like these guys understand the where we are from a media perspective and they own it. And like, I'm tired of it, but they do a great job of it. But they do a great job at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's you, it. you really can't. I mean, you get frustrated, but you can't. I can't blame them for it either. I mean, they're they're a company they need to sell their product people want their product and they want it more and more and it gets marketed like crazy with seemingly very little effort on their part a lot of it it's done you know out there in the field with people talking to each other the liquor store owners all up and down so that's great for them it makes us all frustrated it's almost ironic because i feel at one point we were kind of like questioning and begging why not you know have straight from the barrel which is one of my favorite uh bourbons um you know why not have that just release it here and ironically i think it's going to make it harder to find now that it's being released here because suddenly now all these people are cued into it that normally wouldn't be looking overseas for it they would never think let me buy something from some store in england and have it shipped you know and get it a month later or whatever the case might be you know but now that their local is talking about it. Now they're seeing it on every single mainstream website that they go to. Suddenly all these people who never would have bought it are going to ask and they're going to pay three, four, five, six, whatever hundred dollars for a bottle. And that's going to roll over to the stuff that's rel- been relatively easy to find overseas. If you look periodically and you can get a bottle for 130 bucks, 140 bucks shipped to you, you know, get a few of them and the price goes down. So unfortunately I feel like it might be the last time I see it for a while because I think it's going to be significantly harder to get, you know, when we look out a year from now with a lot more demand and a lot more awareness, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I remember really starting to get into this and, and finding about straight from the barrel, of course, through like secondary sites. And I was like, where can I find this? And ended up, you know, let's just rewind the clocks a few years, ended up getting a bunch of stuff shipped over from the Netherlands. And, you know, to your point, Nick, yeah, uh, you were able to get it. I could get it for probably like $75, $80 a bottle shipped, you know, because I'm buying 12 at a time here, right? So it made it worth it to be able to do it back then. And now it's definitely going to kind of go the way of the dodo bird in regards to yeah. being able to find it. Um, now, the other thing that I th- kind of find it interesting is we've all speculated for a long, long time of like, well, why doesn't Straight for the Barrel come here? And we've always been like, oh, like, does it is it owned by Agent Age? Is it owned by the Japanese? You know, why are they not want to do it? So two things, like, do you think this was a move by the, by Sazerac to like push them to say like, Hey, you should just go ahead and release this in the U S or was it something that somebody else said in the chat? Is this also a, a side effect of what we're getting with the European tariff situation? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I talked to the ancient age people, Kenny, probably in that same time frame you're getting from the Netherlands, and I'm, I was asking them that. Well, you know, why don't you have that? That's what that's what's better than than Blanton's. And uh, they they said it was their decision that they just uh, you know they they had demand for it and they didn't have enough supply to to bring it here, and maybe someday they would. Um, I always personally thought it would end up being another member of the the BTEC release. And I'm surprised at the timing now at the end of August, uh, you know, it would make sense to have it as as part of this year's BTEC, just, just you know, starting tomorrow, next month. Um, but I, I don't know. All, all that said, I'm, I'm going to stick with some other barrel proof options that I can get that have age statements and, and uh, I it's this is just going to be too much of the hype train for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing is the uh, and Blake, I'll let you talk here in a second. Or I'll, I can put this one to you. Is is one hundred fifty dollars price point? You just put it fifty dollars above BTAC, right? On a on a retail SRP, I get it, right? Uh, I get want to be able to try to make a little bit of that extra money on it, but it's a uh, it's really weird. I, I would I would venture to guess we might see a, a bump in SRP for for BTAC this year too. It, well, I, I think that's, um, you know, this is where I don't blame Buffalo Trace at all. I, at the end of the day, we're, we're enthusiasts. We love this stuff, and, and, and it's a business for them. You know, they're not publicly traded like other ones, but it's a business. So it, you look at things like tariff. They're looking at a, you know, high tariff to send it overseas when they could keep it at home. They don't have freight costs. They don't have tariff costs. They don't have all this other stuff and jump to a higher price point. Like, why would you not do that? You, you know, it, it starts to starts to seem a little ridiculous to be sending it over. Um, and I think they like the antique collection where it is. So, you know, yeah. they, they like that, that grenade looking bottle. The, they like the horseman on top. Um, so it just seems like a natural progression of, uh, of the whole Blanton's lineup. And, you know, if, if they get a lot of pushback, they can, they can, put it on tariffs and put it on demand and keeping it at home. And, you know, who's really going to argue with that? So while, you know, part of me is like, uh, who cares? Part of me is also like, that's the smartest move they could have made. So um, yeah, I, I don't blame them. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Like I don't blame them one damn bit, but I just, I'm done. I'm curious what you exactly. guys think of this too. Who, I, Cause I think there's a lot more Buffalo trace products out there. I think they just don't see the shelves. I think retailers, hoard them um behind the scenes i think they get you get the whisper in the ear i got something special for you it's that they just know not to put it out they know that they can get a little more for it they know you can get get you to buy another bottle or use it as an incentive whatever the case might be i mean we're now you know this is what this product is what no age statement so it's going to be what seven to nine years old you know roughly um they could have been putting a lot more in barrels that long ago i mean is it possible? What do you guys think? And what do you think in the chat that they just have a lot more of it? And so now that that's the case, they can start introducing it and not really change the overseas market, but bring a lot more bottles out into the market. And why not open in the US? Why why flood the overseas market with more? Why not bring it here, charge more and, you know, get the hype behind it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a it's a tricky one. And it's amazing that that you would think that oh uh yeah we have enough barrels now like we finally have enough whiskey i thought we were like right now in like the peak of pretty much everything and everybody's starting to keep throwing down more and more new barrels 
to be able to keep up with these with this demand either it is not going to be the same whiskey as it used to be because maybe it's you know not aged an extra year it might be six to seven years or five to seven years or something like that instead of maybe six to eight of what we're typically used to so not too sure exactly what that could actually end up looking like uh, for the whiskey itself well blanton's is largely overrated anyway in my opinion and it's like i know people go crazy here we go bringing out the head bring it out but said it (laughs) but it's not it's not a it's a whiskey that's never gotten you know uh, outside of like mid 80s for me and you know has never won one of my like blind tastings that i've done and you know you taste it with someone blind um and you very rarely see him pick blanton's now i will say that the one we're talking about here is is the one that i gravitate toward uh i mean hell i like a lot of whiskey straight from the barrel but you know maker's mark you know won't give me 12 year old whiskey straight from the barrel so it's um you, you get most of us kind of go for the elijah craig's uh, the larcenies and the george t stags and the stag juniors i mean whiskey geeks we love friggin' cast drink bourbon yep. and um you could uh, take it out of the horsey label and put it in the tin can and slap the label bourbon on it. And I'd, I'd probably buy it and spend a lot less money. But bottom line is Blanton's on a friggin' it's on a, it's on a dad gum ride. It's on a wave that we have not seen um, really ever because it's, a, it was an existing product that was out there and there was not one thing that pushed it over you know, into the, to the hype world. And it just started frigging taking off. And it's like, you know, we can debate about where it came from. Was it being on justified? Was it some of the TV it was on, but it just, it just, the bot, the bottle looks and feels like Kentucky. And I think Blanton's more than any other bourbon has enjoyed the, the larger marketing of, of bourbon as a whole. And it's just like, it's going nuts. So they could probably charge $1,200 for the bottle and still get it. You know? Well, I think we all have friends and anytime they need a bottle or something four out of five times, what are they asking for? Blanton. I need, I need a bottle of Blanton's. Can yeah, you help me get a bottle of Blanton's? Blanton's? And you're just like, Oh shit, here we go again. Of course the answer is no, but <laughs> no, we can't help depends, you there. Depends on the friend. <laughs> Brian, Brian, question for you. Is straight yeah. from the barrel a uh, trademark thing that they have? Because I feel like that's such a great like tagline for a bourbon. Like, well, you know, we have a lot of uncut, you, you know, barrel. Right. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's got cast strength, barrel strength, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. I, I can't remember if they have registered a trademark for that phrase mm. or not. But you're right. It's a great phrase and no one else uses it. So maybe maybe they have. I just don't Pursuit know. straight from the barrel coming soon. Yeah. yeah, there yes. you go. In tiny letters, but it's there. Yeah. yeah. But I'll say this, like, you know, I would take I would take a Buffalo Trace barrel pick over Blanton's all day long. Yep. I'd take an Eagle Rare Eagle Rare barrel pick over Blanton's all day long. But the one brand that I would really like, I wish I could see more of, and I wish we could see more of them playing with is Rock Hill Farms. There was something about the combo of the barrels that they use and and the age range that they got for Rock Hill Farms that just hit the sweet spot for me in a lot of ways. So the what every time that I see like the growth of Blanton's, 
in my heart, I, I see Rock Hill Farms kind of getting pushed off to the side a little bit. Uh, give it a year. They'll they'll reinvigorate the Rock brand Hill somehow. Farms, look at the secondary on Rock Hill Farms it's right insane. now. It's insane. Yeah. There's so Pure much less in it, though, too. I mean, you, you don't see that hardly at all. It's very low numbers, even compared to Blanton's, which you know does pop up and you can get it for 90 bucks 100 bucks 120 bucks rock hill farms is definitely harder to find if you can yeah back in the day brian we could just walk into a liquor store and we could get three bottles whatever we want we weller <laughs> oh you know, good days thinking of that though you know when you think when i think about when i was you know most buying straight from the barrel there weren't a lot of barrel proof options at that time you know That's if right. i remember right this is before Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. This is before Stag Jr. This is before Maker's Mark Cast Strength. Um, you know, so there weren't a lot of options either. So here you had, and I did come across some really good barrels of Blanton's years ago that in tastings people did pick. And they did pick above, you know, even BTAC in some cases. Um, you know, so they've been out there. But I think what's happened is I think, A, they probably let quality slide a little bit, maybe the age slide a bit, little bit. They're producing more of it, you know. But B, now we've got, you know, when you look at some of these Elijah Craig barrel proof batches, they're just as good, you know, as straight from the barrel, you know, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so you just you didn't have that option before. And there's something that, at least in my area, you can pick up for fifty five bucks a bottle, you know, just about any day, and and it's all over. It's all over town, you know. So as far as getting bourbon, that's you know, barrel proof and to a high level of quality, it's there, it's at our fingertips. It's just a matter of getting beyond that brand, that need for that brand recognition that, you know, Blanton's has created in Buffalo Trace and Sazerac has created so well with that brand. You can find stuff that's just as good, if not better out there. And, and look, we've, you know, we've rated those, some of those bottles for four and a half, you know, that's as almost as high as, high as it gets on our scale for those Elijah Craig Barrel proof batch is the really good one. So look, if that's what you're after, it's just the bourbon inside the bottle. Go for something like that. There's no reason to hunt down straight from the barrel and go crazy for it, you know, by any means. I mean, I think that's going to be the thing that unfortunately pushes it over the train is now so many people are going to be after it. It's going to drive the price out of control where people like me, I'm not going to buy it anymore. I, I'm not going to spend the kind of money you're going to need to spend for it. And I'm not going to take the time you need to take to find it overseas either. So all right, so question for everybody. You're you're going into a store, you're a store, you're actually you actually see a bottle of straight from the barrel, and there's also a bottle of your favorite bookers. Are you taking the bookers or are you taking the Blantons? You're saving half half the dollars by getting the bookers. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, 
Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Are you taking the bookers or are you taking the Blantons? You're saving half half the dollars by getting the bookers. I mean, get, get two bookers, right? Personally, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm taking bookers every time, but that was typically what I would buy in the first place. But um, or I would what I would probably do is buy the Blantons, go sell it, turn around, <laughs> buy four bookers buy for four bookers. Eight bookers. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I would only get the bookers if it was Blake's batch that he had a hand in. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, honestly, Shut for up. me, I, I'm I'm a big fan of of straight from the barrel. I think it's actually a really good whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I tried it, and I was like, yeah, this is actually this is actually really really good. Um, I I really enjoy it. However, I just don't enjoy the price tag. Uh, for me, I'm just going to keep my money in my pocket. I think that's that's the easy move to make there. All right. So all the shit talking I just did on Blanton's, I would buy the bottle of Blanton's. Yeah. <laughs> it's because the rarity, Fred. I would too. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I can it, buy bookers any day. If I see Blanton straight from the barrel sit on the shelf for one fifty, I'm going to get it just because I'm not going to see it again. Exactly. And it's easy. I can just grab it and buy it. And you know what? Everybody's going to do the same damn thing. I don't care what they say. I don't care how much you want to bitch about the hype train. It's going to happen because yeah. you're going to see it. You're going to buy it. You're going to think you're going to think about it later. You're going to get that thing in your hand so fast. And then you're going to figure it out after because you have options too. exactly Plenty and, of options. And and going back to my whole thing about Buffalo Trace and strategy, we talk. Everyone wants to put it on like the terrace and everything. I was telling you, man, and I've said this many, many times. Mark Brown is the smartest guy when it comes to whiskey and, and how to run whiskey companies. They've got their stuff figured out through 2049. He maybe he didn't have a pandemic, you know, in there to fix, you know, in between. But that dude is smart. And um, that's where they got us. Even us, the most curmudgeons of the curmudgeons, Nick. You know, we're you and I. We both just admitted, as much as we freaking hate it, we're buying that bottle of uh, straight for the barrel over Booker's, which we both buy regularly. So, and even if you buy the Blantons, odds are you're going to make somebody really happy when that fourth friend goes, "Hey, by the way, do you have a bottle of Blantons for me?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, speaking of just hard to get bourbons, we are going into release season. It is just creeping up around the corner. And, you know, we're going to take this as kind of an example. The Party Source, actually, in northern Kentucky, it's a very, very large liquor store. Uh, well, probably one of the largest ones in the state of Kentucky. Uh, they tried to sell Blanton's online. They, they put an email out. It was just like randomly. And then the website crashed. And so now we are starting to see. Uh, and they even said they're like, sorry, like everything was gone in like 30 seconds. But like the website was down for 15 minutes. So we're going to see this. Hopefully, or not hopefully, but it's it's end up going to be in a problem here relatively soon because distilleries are now going to start doing special releases. Uh, we've already seen it now with Four Roses Small Batch Limited Edition for 2020, as well as Old Forester Birthday Bourbon, is that they are going to do their typical distillery releases where people would camp outside, now going to go online. Um, 
first off, well, we're not going to really get into the technical side because it just throw it on a beefy server that can be able to handle it. Uh, but you know, for myself, Fred and Brian, you know, we live here in the city. Like we're, it's okay. Like if we, if we get it and our name gets drawn, awesome. But Blake and Nick, I'll kind of put this in over to you. You know, they're not allowing anybody to say like, oh, you can bring a proxy uh, or anything like that. Like you have to show up with your ID to do it. Um, is this something that you all feel is like fair? Like, is this something that you all are happy about? Like maybe you get a chance and you'll hop on a plane or drive down to go and get a bottle if, you're, if your name gets drawn or something like that? I guess I, I got to say that my days with these limited releases of really going out of my way to get something are behind me. Um, you know, it, in Fred's example before, all day long, if I walk in the store and I see something on the shelf that's going to be really hard to get, absolutely, I'm going to grab it and get in my hand as quickly as I can um, if the price is is, is fair. Um, but as far as, you know, traveling somewhere or something of that nature, um, you know, is there really a fair way to do it? You, no matter what you do, you know, if you've got you know, if you got a thousand bottles of something and you've got a hundred thousand people that want it, guess what? 99,000 of those people are going to be unhappy. So you're just, you're just not going to make everybody happy. You know, so we've seen, you know, more of the online. I think we're going to continue to see more of that. Um, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, their state run, there was a time when anybody could buy online and we used to buy, I mean, we used to get BTAC the day we release. And for some reason they were selling it for 59 99 even though the msrp was like 79 or 89 at the time and we'd buy as much as they would let us didn't need anything else besides just you know tell us which store you want to pick it up in or which address you want to ship it to they kind of close that off you have to be a pa resident or appear to be a pa resident at least at this point their site crashes um whenever you're you know you're having these crazy limited releases you're going to see site crashes but i think they're going to be relatively speaking few and far between because not everybody has this problem where they have too much demand. Um, it's, I think in the big scheme of things, it's still fairly limited. A lot of it is on the Buffalo Trace products. You know, for example, a lot of it does tie back to how well it's marketed by whatever entity it is that's gonna be putting it online. So no, I'm not gonna go crazy. Yes, I think we're gonna see more of it online. And yes, I think we're gonna see people screwing that up left and right because it's gonna be a painful learning curve for them as they deal with shifting, you know, how they do things and, and they're not going to do it right. You know, it's going to take a couple trial and error sessions for them to figure it out. Maybe more than that in some cases. I think too, this is, this is a good year that it might be a good time to take a break on the limited releases. I mean, for what I'm tasted so far, uh, that's been sent out really only the four roses limited edition is, is worth hunting. You know, I, I've, I, I'm just really disappointed with a lot of the limited releases that have come out um, thus far. And, and again, it's just starting. And the, and the one we all kind of wait for to taste and talk about is the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. But, um, you know, to me, the old Forester was a miss. Um, you know, little, little Book was a miss, which is not necessarily one that everybody haunts. But I think there's a lot of misses in the fall. I was going to say, I'll jump in and, you know, kind of on the online releases, I think it's an opportunity for people to kind of think outside the box a little bit, you know, or people aren't supposed to be standing outside of stores, you know, stacked up on top of each other. 
I don't know what the rules are in Kentucky, but (laughs) you know, they can kind of open it up and change things up a little bit. So, I mean, if, if four roses, you know, they have the online thing. I know I'm going to be up there within the month or so. So yeah, I'll get on and try to order something. So I think that's kind of a cool way to open it up. And so instead of camping out overnight, um, but uh, you know, you don't have to camp out overnight. You just have to be lucky or like have that, you, you know, fiber uh, internet, which uh, I know nothing about. Apparently it does exist, but um, so, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for distilleries to kind of change things up. It's like, hey, how are we going to release this? We're going to put some up for online. And if you're going to be traveling up here in the fall, you can pick it up then and then uh, have other people be at the distillery. Um, and, and so just give people different options. Um, you, you know, definitely boost up your, uh, uh, your, your server and everything else. Like Kenny said, I'm not going to get into the tech technical parts, but, um, overall, like, why would you not want to give, like, we're in a online world where everyone's used to that. Why would you not want to be doing releases like that? So, um, and especially with the, you know, house bill, whatever it was with Kentucky, where they're going to be able to ship soon, that's just going to open up. So go ahead and get people used to doing that and, um, and, and buying things from distilleries and special releases. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a good way forward, and it's kind of like a forced way forward. Yeah, and and let me piggyback on that because that was going to be my point too. That I I think with with changes that have to be happening in the shipping loss, that this is going to be the future of what it is. Keep the bourbon here in Kentucky. Uh, go through the distillery for it. Uh, they'll be shipping, and in the meantime, for this weird year, Kentuckians finally benefit a little bit instead of putting it all over the damn country. We've got it all here and you got to come here to get it. Brian, that's going to be dangerous. That's a dangerous move because then you're going to have retailers from California to Washington and Idaho and wherever getting together and say, well, fuck Kentucky bourbon. Look at this wonderful collection of Hennessy we have. Or mm-hmm. look at this uh, great tequila but selection we have. How, how many of those people would turn around and buy Hennessy and tequila? And, you know, I well, think would you talking about if you're talking about the inner core of the bourbon world, you have to remember that bourbon is still very much a part of uh, it's, it still very much needs the fringe consumer, the consumer that is not into it yet. Like these special bourbons and everything, that's. That is that that's just a small part. But if you take that away from retailers in Nevada and California and Washington, oh, they will rise up and they will start. They'll, they'll diminish like as much as they can say, like, well, screw you. You're not going to give us uh, you're not going to give us bookers anymore. Or, and, I'm, and I'm going that far. But, you know, it's it it's a serious that's a serious thing. And that's the reason why, like the shipping laws have been fought so much now. Do I want it? Yes, I want it. Do I want it to be able to where consumers can buy directly from the distiller? Yes, I do. But we still have to have a system that still kind of like helps those mom and pop uh, retailers. Because I look at it as like, you know, we have a system that if you take if you you basically what you're talking about here is you're talking about taking away allocation from a, a liquor store in Reno, Nevada. Uh, let's let's. We have we all have a good friend on the show, you know, who watches the show, who runs and operates a liquor store in Reno, Nevada. That man gets one Old Forester birthday bourbon a year. 
And you know what? That's one of his prized possessions. He uses that to give it to his very best customer. And suddenly that bottle is no longer in his possession. It is now being sold through the, the distillery or whatever. And he's like, he lost a customer, you know, and or or he has to figure out how to, you know, supplement that customer that he might have had before. And so this is, you know, while it may be easier on the consumer, it, it, it is not always easier on the consumer. It seems like it's easier on the consumer, but helping that consumer that's coming in, working and getting to the distillery hurts a consumer that's been relying and supporting on an independent retailer for 20 years and was, you know, guaranteed that release. Uh, it hurts that consumer. So this is this is a double-edged sword, and you know the distillers have a very difficult, you know, uh, conundrum ahead. They got to do a little bit, but they can't go all in on on the shipping. Now the other side is is that retailer to make it fair should be able to have the opportunity to sell their stuff online. But we, of course, we know that's part of the greater conversation of shipping overall and. So I feel like we have a long way to go to get to that point because the way that anything works today is that if you want a bottle of Old Forest Birthday Bourbon, you got to go and you got to sell a shit ton of other product to be able to get that, right? I mean, the three-tier system has to completely change from, you know, from the inside out to even have that be a reality. Now, one point that I do want to make, and, and Matt Cusick in the chat mentioned something, and you would, you're eventually going to see this and you see it already. There's, there's groups that, that know about how to rig the system when it comes to the internet of using bots and automated checkout systems and everything like that. I've, I, I tried writing my own once, right? Like it, it can be done. And so this is, this is what is essentially going to happen is that all that is going to go to a, a small set of individuals at the end of the day. Um, now the other part of this is that let's, let's also think about what, the bourbon in itself and the experience brought people when they did camp out, right? Let's, let's get out of our, our like old fogey. Like we're just old grumpy men. Now we're talking about like ah, internet releases of bourbon. Like at one point, like we were also people that would go and, you know, we'd wait in line, uh, you know, even Saturday mornings, we wait in line for bourbon. Some people would camp out and you would hang out with people and you talk about bourbon all night long. Like you'd be amazed that, you just met somebody and you just spent nine hours talking to them about bourbon. And you're like, does this guy have anything else to do besides talking about bourbon? And so <laughs> that that is something that is kind of not going to be a part of this system. And so I'm going to be surprised to see what this is going to be like after these releases. Um, only because, A, of, of technical components of it. Um, I understand if like anybody and what Four Roses is doing is basically you enter in uh, you know, your basically your email address and and whatever, and they're going to put it in a randomizer. Holy shit. You know how easy that is to, I can go spin up a thousand email addresses right now and I could go and submit that? it. Could it's, we get uh, tips for, <laughs> how, how do we do that? Like you, uh, how many, how many domains do you own? You got Berber and Sealbox. You got Blake one at Sealbox, Blake two at Sealbox. I mean, you could just go ahead and like create all these email addresses and just forward them to your, you know, just your one email. So it's not hard to game the system there. And the other part is like when you look at Old Forest, what Old Forest, what they're going to do is they're going to do exactly what Party Source did. They're going to send out a random email at a random time, and you just got to be right there at your desk and click the link to go and buy it. And we know what happened with with the Party Sources, their website crashed. So unless you are accounting for it, and anybody that has gone through and tried to get a barrel on the day that Buffalo Trace releases their, uh, you know, barrels to the public. 
everybody kind of knows that everything's gone in 15 seconds and it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be a, it's going to be a real challenge to see how they're going to be able to adapt to this. I personally think that they're going to probably just go back to in-person releases. Um, I see a lot of people that are on the chat and they're, and I'm, I'm kind of feel like I'm one of those people too. I'm like, come on, like we're in Kentucky. Like this, this should be ours. Like it's our distillery. Like it's right here. You know, like, let Nick go to his local lo liquor store up there. He he doesn't have as much competition around here, but that's it's a shitty thing for me to say, but it, that's how I feel. <laughs> I see how it is now, Kenny. <laughs> see, Nick, I was advocating for 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 your world a little bit. You know, I was trying to help you out of staters. So you know, yes, yeah, I, I appreciate that, Fred. Uh, you know, so, and what, you know what I think is is kind of interesting too in this in in what we're dealing with here is I look at the retailers around around me. And I'm in New York, um, not New York City, New York. I'm in the other New York. So very different world. Um, I got to say, I think a lot of retailers in general, you know, just pure location. It, it's just they just sell what they get. Um, they don't necessarily go drastically out of their way to get special stuff unless it's somebody that owns the store or manages the store that's personally interested in that um, you know, for a lot of them, I think the limited releases are more of a headache than anything. It's not really where they make their large source of their money. Um, you know, they basically got in, in more or less, uh, they're in partnership with New York state where, you know, they have this product that everybody wants and, you know, they're spread out enough that there's, you know, more, there's enough demand so that as long as you get some foot traffic, you can, you know, you can make pretty good money in that business. And so, you know, what they haven't had to deal with is they haven't had to really deal with a dominating online presence yet, like other retailers have had to deal with with Amazon, for example. You know, and so all these states obviously are going to want to fight that because they're they're in it. They're in it with the tax revenue. They don't know what the other states are going to do. They don't want any other state getting a leg up on them. You know, yeah, demand might go up, but it's it's still a finite thing, right? There's only so many bottles of whatever that are going to be made and only so many bottles that are going to be bought and consumed. So no state wants to give up the power they have. So I feel like we're at this standstill where it's going to be a lot of back and forth. Things are going to move one direction, then, then they're going to slingshot back the other way. Uh, but I think ultimately, yeah, people are moving more to this online, you know, phase. But at the same time, I think it needs to get easier. If these distilleries are finding it's too much to manage, they're going to say, screw it. Why, why are we doing this? The whole point was to make it easier in some sense. And if it's not easier and it's frustrating, we're just going to not even go that whole route with the technology side. We're just going to go back to, you know, come to the distillery because that's what we want you to do anyway. Um, I'll toss in there too. One thing that I've always thought would be a good idea. I don't know why it's all dropped at the same time. You know, if you're a retailer or really anybody in control of that, you know, you get a hundred bottles of something special. Uh, if you don't have a plan already for it, you know, why not randomly put out a bottle or two periodically throughout the whole year so that customers that are constantly going to the store might randomly come across just sneak it on the something, shelf, something special, you know, what yeah, it awesome. all have to be. That's what liquor barn does basically on yeah. the same day. You know, and I don't see many doing that. And, I, and I'm actually not familiar with Liquor Barns, you know, uh, what well, they do. Well, I'll say this. They don't do it all the do time. They, they, they just kind of sprinkle it in. They still have the raffles and stuff. But yeah, somebody I mean, gets Fred's phone call first. Yeah. <laughs> Huge opportunity, though. Here you have something everybody wants. It's not like electronics where they can just make more of them. 
there's a limited amount of what it is. And so I feel like people don't really know how to handle that. A lot get more frustrated than, than, you know, they should be. They get way too many calls, way too many people trying to abuse it. They get frustrated with it. They just say, I'm just going to sell it for a lot, or I'm just going to not put it out anywhere and tell everyone I don't have anything, you know? So there's a great opportunity for these retailers to connect with people, for the distilleries to connect with people. And I think we're seeing more of that. You know, I think we'll see more of that, but I think the dynamic of the three tier system has kind of forced, you know, unlike other, you know, other things that we might buy, it's forced a little bit of, of a challenge in the face of this because, you know, some people have an advantage over others and they don't have to play the same game that everyone else has to play in the retail space. Yeah. That was a, that was Preach. a very good way. Yeah. That's yeah. a round of applause for closing yeah. that one totally out. Totally preach on Nick. <laughs> You just want me to shut up. I get it. No, no, no. Kenny has been uh, Nick for president. You know, yeah. I mean. Now we're going to get that read my Nick emails? for president. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, if you're, uh, is it too late to enter for president, Brian? I think maybe there's like two states he can go win. Yeah, I think we could just, just write him in and we'll, we know who we should get. I'll keep all the bourbon in Kentucky. So I got Kentucky. Yeah, okay. Oh. You got my vote, man. <laughs> you, got, you got three votes. Good yeah. job. So that's awesome, guys. Let's go ahead and let's start wrapping this up. So, uh, Nick, I'll just go ahead and let you uh, kind of give a little outro. I feel outro like here. we just started. I don't feel like we haven't even, you know. It's 10, brother. It's, I know. We're 59 minutes and 36 seconds into it. If we go any longer, Lauren's going to kill me. Wow. All right. All right. Well, as always, uh, glad to be here. It's been a couple months since I've been on one of these uh, roundtables. Um, so I'm Nick with Breaking Bourbon, one of the three guys behind Breaking Bourbon, breakingbourbon.com. Uh, check us out on all the socials at Breaking Bourbon. And um, we're putting out a lot of new reviews now. We're trying to do uh, one a day. We've kind of got like a capsule review format and still our long in-depth uh, format. So if you have any feedback on that, curious <laughs> to hear it. Hit us up at, uh, you know, you check out the contact um, on our website and uh, hit us up with a message there for, you know, what you think about Breaking Bourbon and kind of your experience as you come to the site and interact with us. So uh, thanks again, guys, uh, for having me on, Kenny, and uh, great chatting with you guys, too, and great having everyone else on the pretty active chat here tonight, too. So I'm, I'm happy to see that as well. Oh, for sure. Brian, you're up, buddy. Yeah, definitely. Great chat tonight, guys. Uh, thanks, everyone, and thanks for being on number Having me on number 48, we're going to have to start a planning committee for the big 5-0, and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to need some kind of plan for that damn thing. Uh, anyhow, Brian with uh, Sippin' Corn. You can find me at bourbonjustice.com, sippincorn.com, and on all the socials at Sippin' Corn. Uh, had a good time, and I'm taking that bookers over straight from the barrel. Hey! Nice. Blake? Yeah, you know, like Brian said, always great to be on. Number 48 was a big one. So it was a, this was really good conversation. And I, uh, you can find me at Blake Bourboner and uh, Sealbox.com. And also tomorrow on the Whiskey Net with John Henderson and uh, take a couple of uh, very familiar names for a lot of you. We'll be doing something tomorrow at, at 9 o'clock. So definitely jump in over there. But, yeah, as always, thanks for having me, guys. For sure. And uh, Pursuit Series, new ones dropping tomorrow for our Patreon community, and you'll be able to catch those here in probably another week or two for the public. It's not going to crash. Let's Mm. test it out tomorrow. Let's see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you made the right choice going with Shopify on day one, man. It hasn't hasn't failed you yet, so kudos to you there. Uh, Fred, 
Thank you again for coming on. This was a this is a fun show tonight, man. We hit a lot of good yeah, topics. Yeah, it went it went too fast, Kenny. I can't. I I, I really did mean it. I I was like, we're 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 ending it. Like I I kind of thought it should kept you know kept going. Maybe that's because I, we didn't get our fill of uh, whiskey talk, and half of it was about eighties movies. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep going back at the eighties things. That's fun. <laughs> let's, let's do eighties hey, songs. Next time Kenny. you bring up the eighties, let's talk about nineteen eighties master distillers. That is a great topic. I'm going to let you lead that one because I guarantee you're going to know way more than me. Ed well, Foot. I think I think that's where, like, uh, you know, the 80s, the distillers in the 1980s, those were the guys, those were the guys that brought bourbon back. And I, I, I can never say enough great things about people like Ed Foote. And, of course, we know Jimmy Russell, um, but, you know, people like, you know, uh, Gary Gerhardt, uh, Greyheart, just you know, Ed Foot, just so many great distillers in that time. So I'd much prefer talking to that over Footloose. Hey, the <laughs> 1980s were a really rad time for movies and distillers. How about it? Yeah. <laughs> so cheers, everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, if you want to make sure you subscribe to Bourbon Pursuit, you can get it to uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. It'd be awesome if you could also leave us a review on whatever favorite podcasting platform. And also make sure you just click that subscribe button and follow us wherever uh, you like to do social stuff too at Bourbon Pursuit. With that, cheers, everybody. And we'll be back here next week with another podcast, but then in three weeks for Bourbon Community Roundtable number 49. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, cheers everybody. Cheers.